Good morning, church. In Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, verse 18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope that he has called you to. We invite you to sing with us as we lift him up. Open the eyes of my See you. 
Father God, we thank you uh, for what you have given us. Um, and Father, as we just sang, um, God, what we, what we have has ultimately been given to us by you, and I pray that we would offer it back to you. 
And so I pray that uh, in this time we've offered you our worship. Father, in this time we are offering you our affection, our adoration. And I just thank you um, that you've given us also just the gift that is the church. Um, Not just this church, but the body of Christ all over the world. And Father, I thank you for uh, the role that it plays and that you call it to play. And Father, I thank you that you work through it. And so I'm just praying this morning that uh, as we look into your word and examine this, that you would make us the church that you want us to be, that you would shape us through your word, and God, that your will would be done uh, through us as a body in your world. We pray this in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Please have a seat. So if we um, have not met before, my name is James. I'm on staff here at the church. Um, and today, uh, when it, usually I'd say, like, go to this part in your Bible um, as we're going to be sticking to it. We're kind of going to be a little bit all over the place, but if you want to pick a place, I'd go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, as that's where we'll, we'll end up kind of camping there for a little while. Now, I want to ask you this question. When I say the word church, what comes to your mind? Um, when I was a kid, if I heard the word church, it was like a, a building, Um, It's changed over time, but it's like maybe that's what you think, or maybe you hear the word church and you you think of an organization, or maybe you go, it's an hour on Sunday, like what we're doing right here, you're kind of going, this is church. Maybe you go, church is boring, it's a great cure for insomnia, I can catch a nap when I'm there. That that might be what church you think of when you hear church. Um, Maybe you think of the gathering of God's people. Now, whatever comes to your mind when I say that, here's something that is like obvious for all of us. It would be hard for us to imagine a world in which the church does not exist. Like, it, we, we can't really get our heads around that because none of us pre-exist the church. The church has been around for 2,000 years, and so before you were here, long before you were here, the church existed. Now, we're, when we think of the church and we look at it, we see something that is big, it's global, it has or has had seats of power and influence in culture. But many of us probably take it for granted that the church actually exists at all because by a historical standard, the church really should not exist. The rise of the early church is kind of one of those anomalies of history. It's the largest faith in the world, but kind of consider how it began. You have this this humble tradesman, this humble carpenter, and his 12 followers. Jesus' earthly ministry was three years in length, which, I mean, as an adult, you realize to accomplish anything you want to accomplish in three years, I mean, it can be quite a bit of time, but that time also goes pretty quick. Look at, look at what Jesus does, though. He, he, he teaches in this region, like, it's not a very big region, If you kind of put a point in the middle, he never leaves kind of this 100-mile radius from that that center point. It's kind of um, confined to a small area. Jesus is arguably the most dominant figure in human history, but at the same time, as much influence as he has, he doesn't have the tools that influencers have today. Like Jesus couldn't kind of get videos or pictures and be like, ah, here's me uh, causing the blind man to see. He, he couldn't be like, hey y'all, 10 a.m. going live on Facebook. I'm gonna give some new teachings on where you should build your house. He can't do any of that. It's like all his influence is you're, you're there in person or it's word of mouth. 
Look at the people Jesus spends time with. His apostles are a mixed batch of fishermen, a tax collector, a religious fanatic, and a bunch of other guys who the New Testament writers don't even bother mentioning their names. And so it's not like any of them had popularity that Jesus could kind of piggyback on and, and his fame grew as a result of it. For 300 years, the early church experienced intense persecution by Jewish leaders, the Roman government, and the surrounding culture. Now think about how Christianity begins. It, it begins with a guy who is crucified. It's not like a really great start for, for if you're going to start a world religion. That's, that's not how many people would start it. But it begins with that. 11 of the 12 apostles end up crucified. All of them suffer for their faith in some way. And many of the early Christians suffered for their faith as well. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 33 and 34, it says, Sometimes you were hurt and attacked before crowds of people. And sometimes you shared with those who were being treated that way. You helped the prisoners. You even had joy when all that you owned was taken from you because you knew that you had something better and more lasting. So what you find in this context is that Christians would have to leave their homes to escape imprisonment or death. They had their property confiscated. They were unable to conduct business. They were tortured. They were executed. They were nailed to crosses. Some of the early Christians were put into animal skins. They were fed to the dogs. They were thrown into the Colosseum before lions. Tradition says that Emperor Nero, he lights Rome on fire and goes, it was the Christians who did it. And then to punish the Christians for something that they didn't do, he puts them on stakes, covers them in tar, lights them on fire to light his balcony at night. And Christians are declared public enemies of the Roman government in those early years. And these are just a few examples. Now, despite all of this, in the first three centuries, the church grows and flourishes. And so the question is like, how does it do it? Because if you kind of use human measurements, it really shouldn't. It doesn't make a lot of sense that it would exist. It faced incredible opposition. It began in relative obscurity and after three centuries of persecution, the church is still here 2,000 years later. I'll just ask you this question. Where's the Roman government? Where's the Roman government? Now, the early church, they endured persecution. I'll say this because they were convinced that what Jesus said about himself, that he was Lord and Savior, that what Jesus had done and, and, and the apostles testified to was true. That, that Jesus had died on the cross, but that he had conquered death. And they were going, we're, we're going to lay down our lives for this because we believe it's true. And what God promises us is far better than anything this world can take away from us or give to us. And so they would lay it down. But here's the thing. Being willing to suffer for something does not account for the rapid growth that the early church experienced and so Acts chapter 2, it's, it's kind of generally seen as the day that the church began. And so we're going to start in verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, the disciples were all together in one place. Suddenly a noise like a strong blowing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw something like flames of fire that were separated and stood over each person there. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak different languages by the power the Holy Spirit was giving them. And so something amazing takes place when the Holy Spirit comes upon the church. They're transformed from a bunch of cowering disciples in a room to something powerful. 
Something amazing happens. And so what we see is the church is not something that really came into existence or is meant to flourish by human wisdom or human strength, but it's something that is meant to exist, to flourish and grow and be strong in the wisdom and the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. Now, Ephesians chapter 4 supports that. Paul writes this in verse 11 and 12. And Christ gave gifts to people. He made some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to go and tell the good news, and some to have the work of caring for and teaching God's people. Christ gave those gifts to prepare God's holy people for the work of serving to make the body of Christ stronger. And so what what Paul's going is like, God provided leadership for the early church, but it's not just like some guy who had gone and studied at a leadership institute, finds his way into the church, guys like, guys, I'm gonna organize this, follow me, I know what we're gonna do. Now Paul's going, "These, these are gifts that God gave to the church. Now Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 to 13, kind of one of the main texts that you'll find when it comes to the topic of spiritual gifts. And so Paul, he is saying apostleship, prophecy, evangelism, pastoring, shepherding, teaching are spiritual gifts that were given to some people in the early church in order to provide leadership. Now we see people functioning in these roles in the book of Acts. Um, You see the apostles and you see some of the guys going out and and sharing the gospel. You see that they're writing letters and we get to read these letters today in the New Testament that are meant to build up and strengthen the church, to encourage them to keep going in the face of opposition. Now, again, let's consider the context. Like maybe you have a dream or a vision and you're like, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna accomplish something great. But then somebody comes along and is just like, yeah, you're not very good at that. Somebody comes along and says like, your product is terrible. Somebody says, or writes a scathing review in the comments section. And like a lot of us will be like, the dream is dead. I give up. Not meant to do this. Like we'll, we'll quit it. And so I would contend that without the spiritual gifts that God gave the church, it would not exist today because it would not have made it out of its infancy. Not in human strength, not in human wisdom. So spiritual gifts, they're not just something that the church needed in the past, but they're something that the church needs today. Now, you might be going, what is a spiritual gift? I'm glad you asked because I have a definition for us. We're all gonna look at it right now. It says a spiritual gift is a special God-given ability given to every believer at their conversion by the Holy Spirit to share God's love and to strengthen the body of Christ. And so I want to be clear about what spiritual gifts are and what spiritual gifts are not. A spiritual gift is not your natural talents or abilities. It's not your personality traits. And so if you're looking in scripture, you're not going to find like, ah, this person, she has the spiritual gift of scrapbooking. You're not going to find like, this person has the spiritual gift of athleticism. You're not going to find the the scripture saying, okay, their sense of humor is a spiritual gift. That that somebody might be an extrovert. That's not a spiritual gift. Those are abilities. Those are talents. Those are personality traits. And they can be used by God for ministry, but they're not spiritual gifts. Our spiritual gifts are something that are totally new to us before we became a Christian. And so I'm going to say something, and some of us might not like it, but it's, it's kind of what scripture would say. It's like, If you're not a Christian, you're not going to have spiritual gifts. And and the reason is, is that spiritual gifts come through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit comes into our life when we accept Christ as Lord and Savior. He takes up residency within us. Acts chapter 2 would teach that. And it's through the Spirit that we have the gifts. And so I know of several preachers who before they became a Christian, they could not stand in front of a crowd. They could not give a talk without kind of wanting to run off the stage, without feeling sick, without maybe passing out. They just couldn't do it. But then when they became a Christian, God gave them the Holy Spirit, and through the Holy Spirit came the gift of preaching. Now, we should also know that the fruit of the Spirit that's listed in Galatians chapter 5, those are not spiritual gifts. You know, the, the one where it says love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like, those aren't spiritual gifts. Those are evidence of the Spirit in our life, and they should be evident in a Christian's life to some degree or another. We also need to make sure we don't take a, a spiritual gift and make that the measuring stick for a Christian's level of maturity. Like, your spiritual gifts do not define how mature you are. I'll, I'll put it this way. I, I've watched videos online where it will be a guy teaching um, in, in a church, and I'm watching it, and I'm going, man, he's convincing. That's good. It's too bad that it's not right. That, like, what he's teaching blatantly denies a bunch of scripture. And so it's like, man, he has great technique, but poor theology. And so this is why the New Testament's going like, don't just look at the gift and how convincing they are in what they say. Make sure you take what they're saying and you measure it. You weigh it against scripture. Like, make sure it's actually true. And so spiritual fruit, that's what shows your maturity. Nobody's more spiritual. Nobody's more special because of their spiritual gifts. Like, I'll just say this, like, um, I said this first service, North America, a lot of people look at pastors, and I just don't understand what it is, and they go, oh, you couldn't find a career doing something else. It just d didn't work out for you. That's too bad. So you took up pastoring. That's kind of North America. I just know what it is. Now, in different parts of the world, though, people will look at a pastor, and they go, man, you are, you are God's special person. You are, you are favored by God and, and God hears your prayers more than he hears mine and God loves you more than he loves me. I'm just gonna say, it's like, that's not true. When God looks at me, he looks at Greg, he sees us the same way he sees every other Christian. It's like, you, you are forgiven by the blood of Christ. You are my child. You are loved. And so we're not loved because of our gifts or anything else. We're not more special in that God hears our prayers more because we have that title. It's not that. So don't look at spiritual gifts and go, that's a measure of somebody's maturity. We shouldn't do that. Now, whenever you, you are given a gift, you're given it for a purpose, right? Somebody gives you a book and they're like, I think you're going to enjoy this book. That's why they give it to you. Somebody gives you a shirt, they're like, I think you'll look great in this shirt. Somebody gives you a gift certificate to a restaurant, they're like, I, I want you to not have to cook a meal, go and enjoy a night out. Maybe your spouse gives you a gym membership. Why? They're trying to tell you, I think you need to start working out. Now, I don't recommend that as a gift unless they request it. But when we give a gift, it's for a purpose. And so if God is giving us a gift, we should go, why is God giving me this spiritual gift? 
And so 1 Peter chapter 4, 4, verse 10, it says, Each of you has received a gift to use to serve others. Be good servants of God's various gifts of grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. And so th- th- what this is saying is that the spiritual gifts, they're not given to us for our own purposes, for our own fame. The, the gifts that God has given me, it's not so that I can get out there and be, be famous or, or make money off those gifts. That's not why God gives these gifts. They're there so that we can build up the body of Christ primarily for the good of others, to bless the body, the church, and those who might become a part of the body of Christ or the church. We're going back to Ephesians chapter four. It's a different translation, but it says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. And so what Paul is saying here is that God has given spiritual gifts to produce maturity and stability in the church. The spiritual gifts are given to produce maturity and stability in the church. And that includes this church. And so in Ephesians chapter four, the pastors, the elders, the teachers here, we receive our instructions from God. That what we're to do is to equip the saints, which is just another way of saying to equip Christians for the works of ministry so that maturity and stability is accomplished in our church. And so it's not just the pastors, it's not just the elders, it's not just teachers who have been given spiritual gifts but it's every Christian. 1 Corinthians 7, 7, it says, each person has his or her own gift from God. One has one gift, another has another gift. So when when you became a disciple, God gave you at least one spiritual gift. And I know some people will say like, no, God didn't give me a spiritual gift. There's no such thing as an ungifted Christian. There's no such thing as a non-talented Christian. Like scripture just would not recognize that. But here's what I'll say. You might just not know what your spiritual gift is yet, but it is there. Now, when I was in high school, there was a guy, um, he was good looking. He dressed great. He was athletic. He was funny. He could play the acoustic guitar. Um, He got good grades, I couldn't stand that guy. Like, he just had everything going for him. It was like, just, just like, if you want to talk about being favored by God, it's like, this isn't fair. Because it's like, I'm, I'm that awkward teenager struggling through those high school years. And like, here is like, everything's just falling into his lap. But there's no Christian who has it all. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, and then 29 and 30, It says, together you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of that body. Not all are apostles, not all are prophets, not all are teachers, not all do miracles, not all have gifts of healing, not all speak in different languages, not all interpret those languages. And so what Paul's saying is no Christian receives all the spiritual gifts, and there's no gift that is given to every single Christian. There's no Christian who can claim, yeah, I exercise all the spiritual gifts that you find in the word of God. 
Now, the source of all of those gifts is the same. It's the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't make us all the same. There's one spirit, but there's diversity. And so what you see throughout scripture is God is into unity. He wants the church to be one, but he's not into uniformity. He wants us to kind of have a distinctness about each one of us. Because can you imagine how boring the church would be if all of us were the exact same now, 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it says, One spirit, the same spirit, does all these things, and the spirit decides what to give each person. And so what this is kind of saying is there's, there's not this thing where when you become a Christian, that, that God is like, okay, here, here, look at this form. Um, just tick off a few of the gifts that you want, and I'll give those to you. Like what, what it's saying is like, no, the Holy Spirit decides what gifts you get and how you are going to be used for his purposes. And last week, as Greg introduced this series, where Shape to Serve, he said this, that when it comes to serving God, our function follows our form. And the way that you are spiritually gifted helps you to know where you're best suited to serve in the body of Christ. And so the Spirit, he's given our church everything that he knows we need to accomplish what God has called us to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, Paul tells Christians that they're a member of the body of Christ. And so what, what Paul paints is like this picture is that God has designed the church to work like a physical body. We each play a part or are a part of that body, but Christ is the head. And so he illustrates it this way. Paul says, if the whole body were an eye, it would not be able to hear. If the whole body were an ear, it would not be able to smell. If each part of the body were the same, there would be no body, but truly God put all the parts, each one of them, in the body as he wanted them. So then there are many parts, but only one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. No, those parts of the body that seem to be the weaker are really necessary. Back in, in, in 2012, I had... Uh, surgery on my right shoulder. So I'm, my right hand is my dominant hand. And part of my recovery, I had to spend eight weeks, it might have been 10 actually, in a sling. Just like arm in the sling, not allowed to use it for almost two months. Well, it was over two months. And I'll tell you, during that time, there was not one time where I was going, you know what, that right arm, useless. Don't need it. It's kind of just extra. It's like, man, I missed this part of my body. Like I, I wear contact lenses. I, I, if I don't have contacts in, I, I'm blind. I would have to wear glasses, but glasses just drive me crazy. So like even in that time, I'm struggling with one hand trying to get contacts in. And so my eyes could not say to my hand, no, we, we don't need you. It was just kind of this reminder. It's like, man, every part plays its part. Now Paul's point is that in the body of Christ, no matter how small you may seem or feel you're necessary. The eye, the ear, the hand, each part has a unique and important function that no other part can perform. And if you were to suddenly remove that part of the body, the body is weakened or even starts, stops functioning. Now, if you go out into the, the, the cafe, what you'll see is we have some posters out there and those are our values. And one of them is we are gifted to serve. And so we feel it's, it's our responsibility, it's our hope that we would equip you to release you also to do what God has gifted you to do for his glory. And so if you're going to leave here this morning with one thing, if you take one thing from this morning, I want you to take this. 
If you are a Christian, God has given you at least one spiritual gift to help the church accomplish its mission. God has given you at least one spiritual gift to accomplish its mission. So you might have the gift of administration, the gift of discernment, evangelism, faith, giving, hospitality, mercy, service, teaching. One of the gifts that is listed throughout scripture. That gift is vitally important to the healthy functioning of the church. Like, we we think of our baby toe and go, not that important. It's kind of like the the little one just kind of added on there. But if you ever break that toe, you know that that toe plays a role. Like, as you try and protect it, you're going, the balance is kind of off. As you walk, you're going, no, it it actually helps as I walk. You try and run, you go, no, that toe is important. Try and jump. It's really awkward if you try and jump without the use of that, that baby toe. And so even if you are the baby toe in the body of Christ, some of us have to be, <laughs> someone does, your ministry matters. Your ministry matters. Some of us, um, we're in this habit of disappearing from the church for months on end, or just weeks. We just won't show up for a while. And then we show up, you know, hey, how you doing? No, good. And we we, we kind of try and pick up as if like everything's, nothing's kind of been forgotten or whatever. And I want you to hear this. We love you. We do. You are wanted here. But as much as you're going like, my absence doesn't affect anything, it's felt, it's noticed. Like, please understand, you matter. Your ministry matters to this church. That you are needed in the church to make a lasting difference in people's lives. Your gifts are given by God to bring maturity and stability in the body of Christ. And if you aren't the part that God has designed you to be, the body suffers. Again, the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus, he, he says, it's like, we've all been given things by God and we're going to be held accountable for how we use them. And when we stand before him, this is the one where he says like, you either hear well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your master's joy. Or you hear you wicked, evil, lazy servant. And I'm not trying to guilt anybody. I'm not trying to fear monger, but just present you with the truth. This is what scripture says. We're going to be held accountable for how we use these. And so it's our responsibility to discover and develop the gifts God has given us and deploy them for his purposes. And again, I know there's some of us here, we're going, okay, but I don't know what, how God has gifted me. Or, or we look at other people and go, look how God has gifted them. Look at the difference they're making. So it's not really that important if I don't, if I don't do my part or I'm not as effective. But here's the thing. Scripture tells us that God has gifted every Christian, but we're gifted in, same, in different ways. And if we were all gifted the same, the church would actually be handicapped. Like I, I talked about this first service. If every person in this church were like me, we would have no issue finding teachers. Life group ministry, pff, fully staffed. Glow kids, not an issue. It just would not be an issue. But I'll tell you this, that church would not abound in mercy just wouldn't. Now, I I recognize I'm not 
given the gift of mercy, it doesn't mean I, I, I can't be merciful. But sometimes people come to me and they're like bemoaning stuff and they're like, oh, this happened and nothing's going right. And I'm going like, but remember what you started with. You made this decision. You did this to yourself. Don't be a moron. Now, like, again, I don't say that to them, but it's like mercy does not abound. Now you're going, oh, that would be a terrible church. If the church were all like you, it would be just as jacked up as well. We need one another. Your ministry matters. And so what most defines your effectiveness in the kingdom of God is not your gifts, it's your heart. It's your attitude that determines your effectiveness. And greatness in the kingdom is not measured by gifts, it's not measured by talents, but it's measured by our willingness to serve and the love that we show to others. And the good news is we can all be a servant. And so your spiritual gifts, they reveal the ministries you're best equipped to serve in, but your willingness to serve, that reveals maturity. And so ideally, your primary ministry commitment, again, it's going to be an area where you're gifted by God. But we can all serve in an area of the body of Christ where we're needed. And, and if HCC is your home, again, I, I hope you're not like, I'm not trying to guilt. I'm not, I'm not. I'm trying to encourage and let you know, like, we love you. But we want so much more for you than you just to come simply and spectate or to watch online. We want you to serve because God has gifted you to serve for a purpose. Now, maybe you don't know how God has gifted you, and here are some suggestions of how you can discover your gift. Be rooted in your faith, allow yourself time to identify your gifts, be patient, don't get frustrated that you don't know what they are already. Ask God to reveal how he has gifted you. Like just, just pray that, that simple prayer. God, I don't know how I'm gifted. Could you please let me know? Do you think God's gonna get upset with that prayer? No, like th that is a prayer he will love to answer. Be available for various serving opportunities. And so this is essentially trial and error because this can provide clarity to you and others about how you're gifted. And so serve in, in different ways to see how you bring the greatest results for God that, that kind of bring fulfillment where your spirit comes alive. And many people discover their gifts as they serve in different ministries. And the more you serve, the more clearly you begin to see your gifts. Like I, I said this for service as well. Like I did not come up out of the baptism waters and go, where's the pulpit? Let me preach. Like that did not happen. Like, what happened was somebody was like, hey, do you want to preach? And I was like, well, I've never done that before, but oh, oh, okay, I'll give it a try. It sucked. It really did. Like, it wasn't a great message. But over time, I, I, I developed that gift. I'm still developing that gift. So I'm really like, yeah, you still can use some work. Now, if you want to know how to get plugged into serving opportunities at HCC, here's a few things you can do. Go to the Welcome Center or halifaxchristianchurch.ca. Up at the top, there's a Connect tab, and you'll find a serve card. And on the back of the serve card or online, you'll find a list of opportunities that you can serve in the church. You fill that out, leave it at the Welcome Center. You email that. Somebody will follow up with you and uh, help you get plugged into some serving opportunities. Um, another thing that you can do is request input from others. Just ask people about who care about you, how they think God may have gifted you, how they see God using you. And another thing is you can analyze yourself. 
There's different tools out there for this. We put together this simple spiritual, um, spiritual gifts discovery questionnaire. It's available at the Welcome Center, also available online under resources. And it's just simple questions that might help lead you to where God has gifted you. It does not exhaust all the spiritual gifts. I'm not promising that your results are going to be like definitive, but it might be a great place to start as well. Now, one thing we're going to do during the series is we're going to have ministry leaders share a little bit about their ministry because often you, you don't see the people who are making the things at the church happen. And so Claire Comba is going to come up. She's going to share a little bit about Glow Kids and just some of the needs in the ministry. Hi, I'm Claire. Um, if we haven't met, it's probably because I've been downstairs uh, with the kids. But um, I, uh, I'm the, next, the director of Next Gen Ministries here at HCC, and part of that is Glow Kids. So that is our children's program for preschool to grade five. Um, and so the vision for Glow Kids is really to create an environment where kids can come to know and to love God with the hope that this would be carried on um, through the rest of their weeks and ultimately their lives um, with the goal of creating disciples of Jesus. Just like that's our goal up here is to, to create disciples and it's the same thing with the kids. Um, and so on Sunday mornings, we spend time in small groups. Um, we meet in a large group. We have a Bible lesson and worship um, and usually a game as well. Um, but the important thing is, is that none of this would be able to happen um, if it weren't for all of the people that faithfully serve downstairs in our children's ministry. I could not do it by myself. Um, I've tried, and it cannot happen um, with just me. And so there's lots of opportunities to serve downstairs um, or even just behind the scenes with Glow Kids. So, um, of course, we, we do need teachers. We need people to, to lead the small groups, to lead the large groups. Um, but... There's other roles as well if you maybe don't see yourself as gifted in teaching. Um, maybe you, you are gifted in helping check kids in in the morning, um, helping just um, greet kids as they arrive, um, help families that are new um, get checked in. Um, or maybe if you're into more prep, uh, prepping things, I spend a lot of time cutting out little pieces of paper and crafts and stuff, and so if that's your spiritual gifting, then talk to me. Um, so there's really, no matter what your specific spiritual gift is, I think there's, there's lots of opportunities um, to serve for Glow Kids. And so if you feel like God is maybe calling you to serve in Glow Kids, um, then I'd love to talk to you and, and uh, you can find out more. And if you're even not quite sure, still talk to me and uh, we'll see if uh, maybe you can, can serve. All right, thank you. Thank you, Claire. Can we also just take a moment just to recognize the people, um, I'm not going to ask people to stand, but we have people in this room who serve and glow kids um, faithfully week after week. Many of them are downstairs right now. I just want to take a moment to thank them, recognize them for that, because, yeah, there's a, there's a lot that takes place in this building on Sundays and throughout the week that we never see. Because some of us are like, we have bathrooms downstairs? Um, yeah, there's a downstairs in this building where ministry takes place. So that's going on. We, they don't often get recognition or thanks. So we thank them for that. Now the church, it began with 120 scared people in an upper room. But God gave them his spirit. And through his spirit, he empowered them to live joyfully, courageously, and faithfully. And through them, God changed the world. 
And that same spirit that God gave to them is the spirit that he gives to us. So God has uniquely wired you with specific gifts. He's placed you where you are for a purpose, to share the reason for the hope that is in you, to help others come to know the good news about Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for um, your son. God, I thank you for the forgiveness that comes through him. Father, I thank you that you also gift us with your spirit, that you are always present with us. But Father, you're not just present, you empower us to make a difference. And so Father, I just pray, if we're trying to discover what our gifts are, that you would help us to know, that you would bring clarity. Father, I pray for those of us who know where our gifts are, that you would help us to develop them, to be used for your purposes. And Father, may all the things that we do um, with our gifts, may they accomplish what you want them to accomplish. May they bring maturity and stability to the body. And Father, may it bring others to know who your son is. We pray this in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Promise I won't.
is from the west, so far your grace has carried me until I see you face to face. Until at last I've won my race, remind me you're not finished yet. Hallelujah. 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 I live. Please have a seat. As we just sang about that God has been good to us, we take time each week to remember this and to celebrate this, that Christ came into the world, that he lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserve to die and went to the grave. But yet, God takes that and he uses it for our good, that he imputes the righteousness of Christ. He gives Christ's righteousness to us. And because of that, we can be in right relationship with God. But we also speak of a Christ who has been resurrected. It shows that his sacrifice was sufficient and there is life after death. And in God's wise plan, we are forgiven of our sin. We are freed from sin's power and death's claim. And we are able to come before God without fear of punishment. And it's all because of the goodness of God displayed to us through Jesus Christ. And so we celebrate this each week. And if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to hold on to the bread and the cup. And we're going to take a moment and reflect on what Christ has done for us. And then I'll pray and we'll take those together in remembrance. Father God, I pray that in this time of remembrance um, that we are remembering how good you have been to us. God, that you would have been perfectly just and right to punish us for our rebellion, for our sin, and nobody could accuse you of doing anything wrong. But God, in your wisdom and your goodness, you made a way for us to come back to you. And it was a way that came at great cost to yourself in sending your son but we thank you for that but we also thank you for the empty tomb which which proclaims that the grave has been conquered that our sin has been atoned for and that we are right with you so we thank you for that and we pray this in jesus beautiful name amen night jesus was with his disciples he took some bread he broke it and he said this is my body given for you Do this in remembrance of me. 
And he took a cup and he said, this is the cup in the new covenant, my blood shed for the forgiveness of sin. Drink. Christian Church, we thank God for you and your partnership in taking the gospel to the ends of the earth through Operation Christmas Child Shoebox Gifts. Every shoebox your church has packed and will pack shares the love of Jesus with a child. Did you know that one in every six children who receives a shoebox into their outstretched hands also receives Jesus into their heart? That means there are millions of new believers since Samaritan's Purse started this ministry. Millions and counting. Only God can say how many other lives have been impacted by the faith of these young disciples, including their families and communities. But here's a glimpse. On average, a thousand churches are planted every year through Operation Christmas Child. The local church is being built worldwide because of your faithful partnership in packing shoeboxes. Thank you, Halifax Christian Church. That's our own thank you. I had a call this week from a bubbly young woman thanking us for participating in this ministry and being the collection center. And I said, actually, do you have any records there of how long we've been doing this? And she said, just a sec. And she checked, and it was 1995. And then she said, I wasn't even born then. But that's how long we've been filling these shoe boxes with gifts and sending them off to a developing world country. We collect from the other churches here in the city as well. And we will be loading up a big truck here the latter part of November. But there's a packing party that we're going to invite your family to. It's on the 6th of November from 5 to 7 p.m. Pizza will be served. And we encourage you just to go out and buy some things that you see on sale and buy them in bulk so we can share those and fill a, a good number of boxes that night. If you're new with us, I'd love to have you stop by our Welcome Center, fill out a Connect card, get a free gift, and they'll also talk about something else happening on November 6th, and that's Pizza with the Pastor, which is a chance to get to meet James and I and for us to say a few more things about our church in regards to what next steps you might take. And that day, it's a busy day because at 3.30 that afternoon, we are serving the meal at the Ark Sunday Suppers. And this is where we actually cook 18 casseroles, and these aren't just normal casseroles. These are those big turkey containers, that, not containers, but you buy those big silver cooking dishes. And if you would like to help out with that ministry, we would appreciate it. We have eight of the 18 already spoken for. So just contact us at the church office, and we'll put you in touch with the person who is directing that. Now, Claire, uh, when she was up here speaking, she didn't want to use up all her time because she has been developing something for our families for Halloween. We, a lot of our families don't like to celebrate Halloween, but we th were thinking, what's something we could do? So she put together this little package. It's called Light Up the World, and there's one of these for each family, 
uh, with elementary and preschool kids. And she even has instructions in there on things that you can do together as a family and then some ways in which you can reach out into your neighborhood. There's some activities for the kids and there's even some candy in there. If your kids don't like candy, just pour that out in my pocket on your way out the door and we'll take care of the candy part of that. But we'll be giving one of these to each of you families. So if you pick your kids up, don't go by the, out by the other door. If you come out through these double doors so we can give you one of these packages. And don't forget the spiritual gift inventories. You can go online and do it, but if you think by the time I leave this door, I'll forget all about it, then please pick up one at the Welcome Center because we want everybody to fill one of those out. I'm going to pray and then turn things back over to the team for another song. Father, thank you again for the amazing gifts that you have entrusted us with. And as James said in his message, upon becoming a Christian, you've gifted us in some way. It might be just one gift. Some of us may have a few different gifts. But Father, we just thank you for the fact that you've empowered us to be able to do ministry for you because we know that using our gift is going to be for the benefit of the whole body. We thank you for the greatest gift that you gave to us, Father, and that was your Son. And we still struggle in understanding how you could do this, how you could watch him suffer and die like he did. But you did it because of your love for us. And we just thank you that we are now in relationship with Jesus and we have your Spirit living in us. Father, our prayer is that that Spirit will make a difference in our lives this week as we serve in your name. We pray this through Christ. Amen. Come set your rule and reign hearts again increase in us we pray and veil what we were made come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our very soul Holy Spirit come invade us now we are your church Oh, yeah. 
Thank you everyone and have a blessed week.